Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life, get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. A little, little uh, less uh, enthusiasm today. It's a very sad day. Yeah, that's just heavy, heavy, sad totally unnecessary and i wouldn't want to be in the shoes of any parent or child that was there for that well for all of us i mean we all have to explain it to our children sydney saw it and tell what are we talking about uh i don't watch the news man uh 18 little children were murdered today at their school oh my god yep yep 18 yeah, little you know babies what? that's that's one of that's those insane. things that it i i don't uh I don't take to the news, but it's one of those things where people were talking about. And so I had to yeah, look it well, up to see. Yeah, well, all this anti-news so stuff, it's anti-opinion that you are. News is news. You care about what's happening in your neighborhood. You care about what's happening in your state. You ter- care about gas prices. News is news. It's relative information. What you guys don't like and what I can't stand and why I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all that nonsense and I don't watch CNN, I don't watch MSNBC, is I'm not interested in people's opinions. Yeah, I hear but, you. But um, I don't know. This, this thing affected me. I started crying when I saw it. I was on a Zoom call for work. I saw it on my phone. Initially, it was two. We come, become so callous to numbers, Right. I see Texas, I see a scroll across my phone, Texas, two kids, dad, two children, dad. Um, and then, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was on a call and it was kind of business and I wasn't really paying attention. And then I clicked on it and it was, it was 15 dead. And then it was an elementary school and my children go to an ele- elementary school. Yeah. Uh, this, this, like, oh, but, I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. All what state was this, Bob? In uh, Texas, the great state of Texas. Um, and I started crying. I don't know why. I spent a very stressful few weeks with COVID and all this. And I just started crying. I couldn't stop. I just had to get off the call. And I just sat here and cried. And I cried for us all, for our children, for this, you know. When Mike, back when Mike paid more attention to stuff like this, me and I, Mike, were very close. When all those, um, remember Mike, when all those um, Amish kids were killed at the preschool back east or in yeah, the Midwest or yeah. Pennsylvania? And that night, the leader of the Amish community there said that they prayed for the killer, for that Christ forgive the killer. Hmm. And I'll never forget that. And so I thought about this, This, you know, I don't want to say poor, I'm not sympathetic, but this 18-year-old boy that thought the best thing he could do today is go to the elementary school and kill little children. That's a society we live in. You can turn a blind eye to it. It doesn't happen in... It doesn't happen in England. It doesn't happen in France. It doesn't happen in Brazil. It doesn't happen in Japan. It happens here on a weekly, almost daily basis. And I think it's American callousness to it that is just like, whatever. It's not, this has to end. So I talked to my friend, Dave, said he left work. He said he couldn't stand that people were just acting like nothing's going on, like talking about 
TV shows and fucking seven. He just walked down. He called me and he goes, he goes, I don't want to live here anymore. And I go, I haven't wanted to live here in a long time. There's something mm. wrong with the soul of this fucking country. And this going back and forth, it's the blue people's fault. It's the red people's fault. It's everybody's fault. It's everybody's fault. In the last 72 hours or 96 hours, 11 people were murdered in Buffalo, New York by an 18-year-old boy. And now 21 people were murdered in Texas by an 18-year-old boy. What is wrong with our 18-year-old boys? Hmm, it's crazy, man. It's insane. Well, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the big question is what's a motivating factor for something like that? And it's obviously, uh, it's not obvious, obviously apparently because we can't put our finger on it we can't seem but there you've talked about the soul sickness of america for a long time our you know, evan and i wrote a book evan and i wrote a pretty in-depth book about the sickness of this country 380 pages very detailed very you know evan did two years of research and showing research and of violence and mental health and mental illness and addiction nobody gives a fuck Nobody bought that book. It's like a thousand people. Nobody gives a fuck about solving the problem or even understanding the problem. They just like twittering about it. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, gun control. People don't kill people. Guns, guns don't kill people. People kill people. All the talking points all day long. 18 little babies are fucking dead. And it's not even yeah. enough to get out of your fucking easy chair and go protest or anything anymore. It's just comment on social but, media. But, but, but what do you what do you protest at that point? That are mentally you fucking, ill or not? I think we for? protest. I've, I've hordes of people, day. man. I've thought about it all day. I've talked to my best friends about it, my closest friends. We need to stop this blue and red stuff. This needs to stop. And anybody who participates in it. So all day today, they couldn't wait. It seemed like politicians couldn't wait to get on television and blame mm -hmm. the other team, right? Biden included. Like, I felt like I was watching some video from 1985, Biden. Oh, it's about gun control. It's about more than gun control. Yeah. It's, yeah, no, it's no. about a sickness that is so deeply entrenched in this society. And I just am... I'm and just, it's not I'm, just dis, I'm despondent. I, I'm just beyond. I'm on no team. I fuck the red and the blue team. How about that? Fuck both teams. Yay. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're I'm right. Not jumping. This is not a <laughs> jump to your spot, right? Jump to your X and recite your line. Understand there's something profoundly wrong with us as a whole. But I don't think gun control, I, 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 you know, I'm not, I've never owned a gun with me and Anthony were talking the other day, never had a gun. And a couple years ago or whatever, when the bears first started coming around and we live in a real rural area and I was feeling my ruralness and listening to a little Hank Jr. <laughs> ruralness. <laughs> I'm wearing a John Deere hat. <laughs> I was thinking, I know, I was thinking of getting a gun and then I thought I'll end up killing myself with it. I know me. <laughs> I always just kill myself with it. It's just got to so, be long yeah. enough that you can't get it near your head and pull a trigger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that, like a shotgun or something. It's got to be a really long shotgun so that yeah. no one gets it. Yeah, but don't you hit, like, I, I always think, like, those big guns that people have, 
Like, you say you have to under your bed. Some of my friends have shotguns under the bed, especially out in Joshua, which we were living. So you got to run in the darkness and somebody's invading your house or whatever. You got to run, roll down, get your shotgun, pull it out from under <laughs> the bed, and then get out of your, like, dinky little bedroom that I had and, like, bang it against the door and try to chase somebody through your tiny little weird joshua tree house with a shotgun it's hitting all over knocking over lamps and stuff i don't think a shotgun works in that environment you know a baseball bat works as good as anything because you can keep it out you well, guess know what where actually works evidence-based dogs dogs. Yeah. Dogs. <laughs> dogs they do I, i've always had a dog <laughs> how crazy is that i have a little surprise that'll probably get you guys you know um on a little better note here bob give you more of a Back to the music type of feel here. What? <laughs> oh, hi, Josh. Oh, my God. There's hi. Oh, my God. <laughs> did we need an uplifting moment or what? Oh, uh, yeah. We did. Uh, speaking well, I, I of a guy who doesn't watch the news, there you go. There's the book. That's, the not, that's, not, that's not true. No, 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 no. What, I, do, you I think of, what do you think of this shit? I, I was crying today. I don't even know what. Wow, you know me better than anybody, Josh. I don't cry. I don't fucking I've seen cry. You cry so many times, Bob. <laughs> I think I've made you cry. I would cry if I had kids in school too. I mean, I I was well. I heard about it. Uh, how did I hear about it? Someone texted me, maybe. Yeah, and I. It's just it's just one of those things where you don't even have to think anymore. Uh, what what can be done? <laughs> right. I, my, nice. my, I was just such a snot nose. And my, my response to the person that let me know is, well, I mean, it's in Texas. So maybe, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's in a town where it's nothing but gun owners who just love this shit. I mean, you know, I guess that's, uh, yeah, but, that, but, that, but that argument that the Trumpers usually make is the teachers have guns. If anywhere in America, teachers have guns, it's in rural Texas. Yeah. Right. What the fuck happened? <laughs> But is there is there any is there any word about what this what this person was uh, motivated by? Uh, yeah, no, they haven't come out with it. In Buffalo, it's pretty easy. They went on Facebook and they saw his pr proclamation. You're talking about a fucking 18 year old idiot, you know, usually a high school dropout or barely graduated, and they can't they they can barely put two sentences together. They can't work at Starbucks, but yet they write these manifestos. And what they found out with the Buffalo one is he just took a bunch of other manifestos and like edited it together and called he it his plagiarized manifesto. his manifesto. He plagiarized his manifesto. He cheated. <laughs> I may be a high school dropout, but I would write my own. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not so, going to kill anybody at the end of it. I'm just going to write a manifesto and I know hand out Starbucks cards. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like I know much about what's going on today, except I know that it happened. But I mean, I feel like if there's anything that can be said on the topic that can make any difference. I mean, I just the saddest part to me is that it seems like you just, you know, there's no there's nothing to do. I just don't know what, you know, ex ex until until people want to really get serious about guns, there's nothing to do. I mean, I, yeah, uh, guns are a problem. I, I think the government should come and take all your guns. <laughs> I think I think I should I think they should be abolished. I'd like to live in a country without guns, even though the bad well, guys have guns. Whatever that argument is, I don't know. Guns bad. You've lived in England, right? There's no guns in England. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's not. I mean, the cops don't really carry guns there. Uh, yeah, there's far less guns. There's definitely guns everywhere, but probably a lot less, less police guns. shootings too. There is, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's definitely a lot less school shootings. Right. If no, none, school, huh? no, none. Right. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I just don't have the figures in front of me, so I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe one or two, but not two in a week. You know what I mean? Like, there's no country on earth that has two in four days. Well, right. what's, the, what's the story about Australia when there was a school shooting down there? Uh, they said, right, that's it. No more guns. Oh, and yeah. They, they, they and they just they gathered they, them up. They paid. Yeah. They paid for them back. They bought them back from people. I mean. Well, they're a more civilized society. That's where my partner's wife was saying today that they should move. Everybody's talking about moving. Josh, you and I have talked about moving for since you were a kid. Like, how come we <laughs> never move anywhere? Because <laughs> it's hard. Because it's not easy. No one wants us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why. You, th- you make it like that. You're like we, we, we have the arrogance to be like, oh, let's we'll get out of here. Then. You go to find out how easy it is to do it. And other countries are like, yeah, no, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I heard, hey, how about this? I heard the last two years, like even Canada doesn't want us. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think they've, yeah, they've always accepted with caution, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when me and Bob go there. (laughs) A a guy that, a multi instrumentalist and a yodeler can't just drop in wherever they want. Yeah. Well, after 9-11, there was a lot of talk about leaving. And, um, you know, I I was friends with Leonard Cohen at the time and he wanted he was thinking of leaving. And he got some information where he said, uh, we need to go south of the equator. Apparently, that's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know why, because there was going to be nuclear war and it would be north of the equator. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not that's not that's a a fair point. (laughs) The radiation just goes So for some reason, I zeroed in on New Zealand, though I've never been there. (laughs) I just I've had this fantasy forever. I'm going to move to Spain. I'm going to move to Portugal. I'm going to move to New Zealand. I'm going to move to Holland. I'm going to move to England. I've had uh, Brazil. I mean, there's not a country I haven't wanted to move to. (laughs) <laughs> some that I've been to, some that I haven't been to. But New Zealand is like, <laughs> you like read, go on their website and you leave an email. And they're like, come again? Come again? Where are you calling from? Uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. And they sent me this thing that then AK Josh went through. It, you had to do all these things in order for them to consider you to be able to live there six months out of the year. Yeah. Like you had to yeah. put... You had to put $250,000 in a bank account. You had to start a business that was a benefit to New Zealand. You had to buy property. And then they would let Americans live there for six months out of the year. <laughs> they, they, run, they run a tight ship. Still, they were still, really, on, they were, still on a trial basis. <laughs> wow. They were, really, they were really good about COVID. They were, they were really, uh, you know, their numbers were pretty well, impressive. That, you know, that was, one, that was the greatest thing that happened last year. The prime minister or whatever she is of New Zealand, like I like I should know what their politic political kind of form is. If <laughs> the, I'm queen, the queen she, of New I Zealand. think she's the prime minister. She was <laughs> yeah, yeah. on camera live when a massive earthquake hit. And she remained cool and calm and funny. 
And I thought they don't have. She didn't pull out her guns and start shooting (laughs) (laughs) or run for cover like Dick Cheney. Only me and Mike uh, do that. Like, (laughs) like they don't make people like that woman in America anymore. (laughs) Do you remember, Josh? Did you see it? Uh Maybe she was drunk, Bob. (laughs) Oh, what makes you say that? I don't know. (laughs) It makes you more relaxed. You got to Google that because that's like that's on YouTube. That that her, she's just like. She stays on camera. She kind of looks around. She reassures the camera like everything's all right. We're having a little bit of an earthquake here. Everything's okay. And things are popping and falling <laughs> down around her. Oh, and she funny. stays on camera and it kind of subsides. It goes on for like two minutes. Josh, you, you know saw what? it, right? Because she yeah. doesn't live in a place yeah, where schools are getting shot up every day. She oh, can they, relax. They also have a very, <laughs> they have a proper culture there too. They have a, well, a decorum that they have there, to. Right? You've been there a lot, Josh? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, probably four or five times. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and then they did have that horrible shooting that actually inspired the Buffalo Kid. Oh, really? He, yeah, he, Christ he, he name Church. Christ Church. Yeah, he name checked that Christ Church. I was there right after that, and um, Chili Peppers played there. And then just because of the late addition to our schedule, uh, going to Egypt that time, our our travel was just the uh, the the wrong way uh round and we went west across australia back to new zealand and then from new zealand all the way to egypt so it was it was you know it was just so much travel but i remember when we came back to new york they were they pulled me aside and they were like you've been to new zealand and egypt hmm and they just they were asking me questions and it was like <laughs> I, I, uh, with a quick I, stop and take you, I hope you had your knit cap on and your hoodie and you were hunched over. <laughs> I looked exactly like I always do. But I remember telling the guy in the little private office, I said, you know, I, I actually, he said, he was apologizing. He said, you know, we just, it, it comes up and we just have to ask some questions. I said, you know, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm very happy about it. You know. You don't want to think that just anybody can go to those parts of the country where there's bombing. <laughs> well, some people, you know, perhaps in my traveling party, that tour may not have liked to have been pulled into a room and be questioned. But I said, I said, I said, uh, I, said I, I, you know, it was 30 extra minutes. And, you know, I was actually kind of impressed that, you know, it just seemed like things were working the way they might, you know, yeah, the way they should. Me and Smog got a cavity search in Norway one time. I, I didn't would, have the pleasure. I would, I would cavity uh, search the, the two of you. How did you even? <laughs> so ha, wait a minute, so Mike. Let's, so let's really go after Mike for a second. So Uh-oh. Mike, Mike <laughs> oh, was no. unable to play any shows in Canada. I remember this, and we had. He goes, "Oh, it's going to be fine." We'd already been to Canada with Mike, and he couldn't go into Canada. And you want to know then, why? So then the second time he goes, "Oh no, it's going to be fine. I'm just going to walk across the border." So we dropped. Remember this, Mike? We dropped why did he you sound off. like Keith Morris? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he walked across and he did. He walked right in and then we picked him up on the other end. And he played the show. But if you couldn't get into Canada, how the fuck could you get into Europe, Mike? Canada's hardcore. Like, <laughs> at that time, yeah. at that time, I was younger, Bob, and, and my my record was newer and stuff. And I had an, uh, a felony assault and battery on an officer on oh, my on my <laughs> because I got in a fight with a police. Drunk driving, uh, dr- like people that have been pulled over for drunk driving, have a really hard time getting into Canada. Yeah, you know, like I had they, like they, three. Well, I had three of those. 
they play the numbers. They're just like, ah, we don't need this. We don't need this headache. <laughs> <laughs> tell, I didn't tell them this that time. I, I went in alone. I didn't go in with you guys. I went in alone and I just did. They said, have you ever been arrested? I said, nope. <laughs> <Just think. laughs> good to know that Canada's got that real, that real. Well, that was a while ago. You know. But so get this in 86, I think was the first time Thelonious Monster went up there to play. And I did have a drunk driving and some other things. Right. And uh, I remember going in, they took me into the side and everybody else going in, going through and they take me inside the and they start asking me questions. And the road manager, little Louie was with us like little Louie and and then some other guy was with us I forget who the guy was and they had paperwork that said I had special talents that could only be provided by me for Canada whoa special yeah special talents and I was like who who like some smart person like Lindy Getz or something so uh uh, and I kept thinking, like, special. What special talents do I have? What the? What, <laughs> what is do I have? Can to, you juggle? Do I have to perform some sexual act or what? What is going on? For, for personal, because I, you know, I was so high and drunk all the time. I was like, special talents. Special I don't talent. have any special talents. <laughs> I never saw any. <laughs> wow, I would have had that framed. I, I would special talents next, next to Lord Bob Forrest. Yeah, you could be there for the period of time that the itinerary said that you had special talents that you had to provide to the Canadian public. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was thinking, singing yes, yes, no is a special talent. <laughs> dog shit. No one else can do. Singing dog yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, I gotta sing the song dog shit. Like, yeah, this is a special talent that no one else knows. That no one else can perform. <laughs> So want to talk about Josh killing it at the concerts. Yes. Thanks, Mike. It's been crazy. I've been watching you. I was going to drive. Me and Sid were all ready to drive to Fresno. And it got canceled. What was that last? Fresno went on. Oh, Sacramento. We were going to drive to Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. Sacramento was the one that didn't happen. Sacramento and Las Vegas. Yeah. Right. Uh, Well, well, but then. You know, I was like, ah, it's, it's 200. It's weird when you, it, here's when you're planning a trip. I use that app on my phone and you're planning a trip. So I usually do it at night when I was saying, oh, maybe we'll drive to, to Oakland. That's that second show when you were playing drums. And, uh, and I Google it at like one o'clock in the morning when I'm laying in bed, like, okay, well, let's see how long it is. It's, oh, it's 327 miles. But it's only five hours and 45 minutes. Well, Chuck, I'm, I'm fucking map questing it at one o'clock in the morning when there's nobody right. on the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, the next morning after Sid got out of school, I pick her up and I put it in. It's like eight hours and 35 minutes. It went up it's three just, hours. Don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> now you can put in what time you want to go. You can get a rough estimate for later times. I find oh, you can. Out. I'm not. Yeah, sophisticated. yeah. I'm, I'm not sophisticated the, enough old, for that. We're old, Josh. So yeah, then, I call, then I call. Then <laughs> I Mark Cates, right and he goes. You. Mark Cates goes. It's even worse than that. And I said, "What?" And he goes, "There's an A's game too." Oh. And so, no. if you remember that second show, the the traffic because the Oakland Arena and the baseball stadium are in the same parking lot, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so you're even. So I'm gonna get. So to like, like all 17 people that went and watched the A's couldn't. Oh, they were having. Oh. There's forty thousand. Come I'm, on, I'm joking. I'm kidding. No, I, 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 I like. I have. I have old love for the A's from from the late '80s. But I. But I went to an A's game once, and you know they play at the Coliseum, like where the Raiders used to play. It's huge, and they they it was uh, a very big venue for a. Very small, very small crowd. crowd. Yeah, so at least the game I was. Yeah, okay, I'm no disrespect to the A's. Want some <laughs> rock and roll trivia? Guess who I saw in that very arena that hasn't been, or that stadium that hasn't been torn down to make way for some SoFi bullshit sushi <laughs> restaurant? Guess what I saw in that Oakland uh, fucking stadium? Led Zeppelin two days in a row. Whoa! What? Yeah. Wow! What year? 77, my friend. Look it up. Wow, John Bonham got amazing. arrested for punching Bill Graham. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <Wow>. <laughs> and Jimmy Page. And here's the thing. I didn't know. I knew about taking drugs, and I was looking forward to when I would become a heroin addict, but I was only 16 years old, and I had no access to it. But I was very well versed in how to become a heroin addict, and I would fulfill that later on. And you were making years. plans for the. I future. was making plans for the future. So <laughs> planning I'm your demise. <laughs> and Jimmy Page is like really not on his game the first day. He's kind of sweaty. He sits down in the chair for a while, not on acoustic songs. He's kind of hunched over. He's so thin. He's bone thin. And I'm just like, oh, he probably has the flu. Well, then later on, I talked to Richard Cole. <laughs> I talked to Richard yeah. Cole. And yeah. they couldn't find any dope for him. And so this is after I get sober and I'm hanging out with Richard Cole, the great Led Zeppelin road manager. And, and I don't know if he's that great. If he couldn't get it. I know. Yeah. I, know. So, you know so. I was like, that's the point. And Klingoff has never even done heroin, but he knows the heroin. So I said, like, are you fucking kidding me? Bill Graham? And fucking, you guys couldn't find heroin for Jimmy Page in San Francisco? What are yeah. you, stupid? Oh, yeah, <laughs> my mom could find it. <laughs> your, your mom could find it. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And she's the one that threw away all the straws in the house because she heard I was doing cocaine. Like, that would solve the problem. My mom oh, could yeah, find heroin. Oh, yeah, no straws. <laughs> Yep, you can't my do mom, it now. <laughs> my my grandma mom that raised me one time found a rolled up dollar bill that I had obviously snorted some math with and then left it downstairs. We live in this condo off Beach Boulevard. And she was talking to my sister, like, isn't this strange? I found this <laughs> rolled up like this. And and my sister was like, uh, yeah, it's strange. And she, my it's sister strange. covered for me. My sister Susan covered for me. The mic knows sister her. mom. She, Your sister mom. No, not my sister mom. Susan, oh. the one that lived in Huntington Beach. Oh right. So right. so she died. She didn't unroll disease. it and lick it. No, oh, no, but uh, no, she was not a drug act. She was like a kind uh, of a, you know looking for love in all the wrong places, gal. So uh, so my mom. Was that should just, be a song. So wait till you hear this. So my sister kind of covers me and like, oh, I don't know. That is strange. Well, who would do that? What would they do that for? That's strange. Maybe they wrapped her. She said, maybe they wrapped her around a pencil. Maybe there was something. I, you know, my sister was covering for me. My mom takes it to the neighbors next door. Uh -oh. <laughs> says, I, found this, I found this dollar bill rolled up. Isn't this strange? What, why would somebody do this? And they just blew and your cover, man. This guy, wow. Mickey, this guy, Mickey, that lived across said, let me talk to Bobby. Uh, yeah. And like, I heard that from my bedroom window 
<laughs> and Mickey's like, you're not getting into, into anything hard, are you? And I said, no, no, no. And I was so dumb at this time. I didn't really know that. You know, I was just kind of dumb. And I said, yeah, I, I used it to snort some pot. <laughs> snort some like, pot. You know, when you're, yeah. when you're 16 years old or 17 oh, years old, oh, you're just so oh. dumb at lying. <laughs> yeah. Like, I became expert at lying later on, of course. But at that point, I wanted because pot was okay with Mickey. Mickey smoked pot, oh, right? Okay. So I want. I had to somehow fit this. But straw. he drew the line at snorting it. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, you're an idiot. <laughs> and so he went to your mom and said, "I got bad news for you. Bobby's retarded." <laughs> it was like a King of the Hill episode. <laughs> And I, Bobby? but I, but I was panicked in that moment. So I, so I knew you couldn't smoke, snort marijuana. I'd been smoking marijuana for a couple of years. I was well-versed in it, but I thought maybe some people snort the, the seeds or something. Cause I know everybody's oh, obsessed Jesus with getting Christ. the seeds out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. You got to be. Yeah. Dude, I was, I was very naive. I grew up Republican. All Republicans are naive. Are you kidding well, me? Yeah. You know what's funny, though, is you made a good point. Is man, there are a lot of swings and misses with our lying, you know, before we got good before at Before you it. get expert. And, yeah. and, and I've got a lot of those in treatment recently. A lot of swings and misses. It's just like, son, you really need to work on this. I'm going to give you another chance. I, it's like you're playing cops sometimes. I heard what you said. You think I'm a turnip. Let's try this again. You know, and let them let them at least get a chance to tell the truth. They're not good liars anymore, Bobby. That's a fact. Do they ever come up with better ones, though, Josh? Mm. So, Josh, yeah. didn't you celebrate ten years just a couple of min minutes ago? Yeah. Uh, on same. Congratulations. Day. There you go. How Thanks. amazing is that? Ten years. Um, Thank you. And we haven't checked in, Mike. I keep forgetting because of the Smitty backwards stuff. I don't know if Chuck, if uh, Josh knows this. Mike got Smitty sober, but yet Smitty has more time than Mike. And I keep trying to zero in on what happened there for those two years difference. Smitty, like, call in. Share? Do you want to share <laughs> why you in. have less sobriety? Right. Well, than the it's easy, Bob. Helped. It's easy, Bob. I was concerned that Smitty was going to die. And so I kidnapped him and took him to Morro Bay. Where I took you that one. He time. got sober, but you were. And not he sober? came back. He came back after we both detoxed. And Wait, was that he, the alcohol detox? And he no, it was uh, a little cabin that we have up there. That oh, we I thought you there. used alcohol to detox. We did. We we drank wine coolers and stuff like that. But then, <laughs> you know, maybe that would be a rehab model. Hey, Chuck, that Something might be light. popular. Just, just light, you know, just the like Bartles it. and James rehab. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So Thank you for your patronage. Is, now, this is key, though. <laughs> this is key, though. But he came back and hooked up with some good AA people, and I did not. Ah. So how long did you stay sober for that time? Oh, like five or six days. And he came oh, back, and he was so, but he was so sick and tired of being just completely wrecked that he got you, sober. I got to tell you, Mike, you were more wrecked than him. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, it was a, that was a toss up. <laughs> he, he was, he was too I'm telling to you, thought I was, was. You, you know thought I was bad. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, this will tell you, this will tell you alcoholic denial, delusion, self-deception. I self, wasn't that self, bad. No. You were worse than him. But let me tell you the thing that happened to me. So Says I'm Bob. sitting, I'm, I think I've told this story before, but it really is true. And it's just mind blowing. And it reminds me of how sick I was. 
I'm sitting drinking with Shane McGowan, middle of the <laughs> afternoon. I had a key to the <laughs> Viper room. I don't know. There was like six of us had keys to the downstairs door of the Viper room. So me and Shane, Shane was living in the hotel behind. I go, I go cop for him or, you know, we're together. We're hanging out. I'm hanging out with my idol. We go to the Viper room. We're sitting downstairs at the bar. I'm going around behind the bar, getting us drinks. And we're sitting and talking. And for some reason, Johnny Depp, Shane's wife, Sal, and a couple other people walk in the bar. Now, I'm drunk and high, but I know time. There is no reason for these people to be there at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. No yes, reason. there is, Bob. No they reason. saw you on the cameras. You don't even know this type of shit, do you? They <laughs> saw you on the cameras, no, and they like, went, you what the know, fuck? There no cameras. Oh, they, there were Sanji two. or somebody called them and said, yes, they're here. Apparently, I was being accused of stealing bottles of booze out of there, which I did, but I didn't appreciate getting accused of it. Um, <laughs> so, so, but they're, they're going there because they're doing an intervention on Shane. So mm. I quickly realized this. We're sitting side by side at the bar. These five people walk up behind us. They're kind of surrounding us. And I realized they're talking to Shane. He's the big star and he's the guy and whatever. And I kind of slide out of my chair and I go sit at the end of the booth. That's like 10 feet away. And it's kind of in the dark because there was no windows in this room. I'm just kind of sitting there. Um, <laughs> did, did you close your eyes so no one could see you? <laughs> no, I know exactly why. Because you thought that, okay, if I get over here in the dark, then I can eventually kind of slip out the side. Yeah, I was, I was, I was getting, well, I, what I was doing was being of service. I was clearing the way for the intervention to take place. So I'm oh, okay. sure yeah. you were. Okay. I was very, let you tell it. You're no, so I mean, full of shit. I, I, you know, I don't know what went through my mind back then, but some, some part of me must have thought they're they're going to do an intervention on him it's not going to take him along look at how pathetic he is he's going to go with them they'll forget i'm here and i will continue and i have the bar to myself (laughs) and all the bottles in my pants and you got all the dope you caught for him (laughs) yeah well so so they, it goes on, and he's kind of, I don't know if anybody, uh, like, I'm just a huge Shane fan. I know Josh is. I know Mike is. Mikey had a band that kind of reflected some admiration for the Pogues. So the Pogues were just the greatest band. And if you know Shane, he kind of always seemed almost unconscious. So he slumped over. His <laughs> eyes are kind of shut. And they're talking to him like, you know, we're really worried about you. And you know, and blah, 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 blah. And it's just all that nicey, nice rock star intervention speak, right? And not the intervention speak that comes my way, by the way, Chuck. Different kind of intervention speak. So, and he looks up at at his wife and he goes, it's just one of those things where you want me to go to a hospital again. And she says, yeah. And he goes, well, just been to one, didn't I? I just was in one. <laughs> right? And he goes, you know who really could use this bulb? <laughs> and, <he wants> <laughs> <laughs> and the whole fucking room looks at me. <laughs> they Perfect. look at me not with compassion, not with maybe we should help both of them, not we should help Bob, but that now me being in the room has been, Shane has been able to manipulate the situation and redirect you know, maybe, and refocus. Maybe you are just worse off. i think we need to call shane there's no way on earth anyone is worse than shane mcgowan (laughs) yeah you told me that story right after i met you and i i I love it 
<laughs> no, that that's a story I, when, one when with I, I was drinking it. with Shane McGowan and scoring dope. Oh, you, your your story wins. The first, well, when you told me the first time, or the way I always remember is he went, he just kind of looked up and went, it's not like I'm fucked up like Bob. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you want to help somebody who's really fucked up and lost because yeah. this guy over here. So, <laughs> same room. A few a few years later, after nine eleven, um, Josh, you, I think you were there. We opened for Joe Joe Strummer and the Muscularis. Joe's downstairs. I think nine eleven had just happened. And Joe is drunk and a little bit of cannabis and cocaine, those puff of puffers or whatever they're called. Cocoa and he's puffs. going off about the, you know, that, you, you know, you don't understand these people, man. I know these motherfuckers. I lived with them. I was born in Turkey. They only understand the boot. They only understand the boot and the <laughs> stick. They fucking hate us. <laughs> they hate rock and roll. They want us dead. <laughs> this is Joe Strummer saying, like, we should invade Afghanistan. <laughs> we, the <laughs> occupants of the Viper Room. <laughs> I was like, and I, my no. mind, because I idolized him my whole life, and driving home, I was just like, and my brain couldn't accept that George W. Bush, Dick Cheney, and Joe Strummer were all saying the same thing. Oh my it God! Was Strange day. So what but did the Viper Room Army do? But he he really <laughs> believed that this backwards thing needed to be dealt with. He needed to go in a backwards way. Yeah. Well, fun, fundamentalism should be dealt with uh, harshly. You know. Yeah, I think I so think too. <laughs> I, I really agree with that. I do, like I milit do militant fundamentalism should be eradicated. <laughs> yeah, I think or persuaded. Persuaded is another word you could use. Persuasion. Yeah, well, yeah. There's there's uh there's many versions of persuasion. <laughs> but you know, this invading sovereign nations and like you know, killing a bunch of innocent people, that's not really the way to go about it. Hey Josh, mm. what what's what are you playing on the tour on the on the tours? What are you playing? The, the new album, the, this is the show? Yeah, it's kind of been a uh, well, like the first night, which was three weeks ago today, which is crazy. I'm actually three weeks off coffee. Nice. What? <laughs> my, Are you? Yeah. Because um, yeah. I have, I have apparently, I have silent reflux, which tears my vocal cords apart. So, so uh. I, I'm trying to finally take it a little more seriously. So I gave up coffee three weeks ago. Um, but uh, yeah, do you I, get so, do you get caffeine another way? Yeah, I still drink black tea. I couldn't okay. cut it out entirely, but I was drinking the same amount of black tea that I do now. And then like fiendish amounts of coffee on top. Did of you it, get so. headaches? Did you get headaches? No, no. I mean, no. You know that I mean, coffee is a cleanser for your liver. Did you uh, know that? No, I didn't know that. Isn't yeah. that Maybe weird? The amount, the amount, yeah, acidic and uh, dehydrating. Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. coffee will mess up my stomach sometimes when other caffeine drinks don't, especially the teas. Yeah, I mean, I th I think just the the uh, it's acidic. Caffeine, the acid. it, yeah, caffeine in general is not good for for the what I what I have. But but coffee, I think, is a, maybe probably the the top of the heap. And you know how bad. So, but so what's just cutting coffee uh, kind of cut my caffeine down a lot. But um, that first night, I I, I was being uh, you know you can only prepare so much, and we were rehearsing down in uh, that area for a while. I kept driving by. 
uh, Miramar, where Top Gun took place. So at the last minute, I decided to cover Take My Breath Away. And oh, um, <laughs> uh, just because because I was I, for some reason, I was uh, I got the idea to play I Go to Sleep, that song that Ray Davies wrote that uh, Chrissy Hine did an amazing. Yeah, version yeah. Of. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that day I was just like, I need to play this song. And because I was playing my new baritone guitar that I love. And the guy who built the baritone was in the audience that night. So I was trying to play it a lot. So I was figuring out the chords again in, in that, on that instrument where you have to sort of, it's, it's tuned in, it's in B, it's like standard tuning, but it's in B. So uh, oh, you yeah. just have to kind of figure everything out in that lower key. And um, I was having a fun all afternoon doing that. So uh, I realized that Take My Breath Away and that song are very similar. So I kind of did them both. And then that set a precedent where I would just, kind of i'd play two or i mean three 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 of my songs then they would vary and then um stone was coming up and playing the buttercup song which was uh on brad's yeah um, that's the greatest first album yeah so we were doing that and jeff came up that night i love that you do such crazy like just spur of the moment sort of covers because i did that with uh you know i had this band uh chocolatey for a while and we covered uh don't need another hero the tina turner song thunderdome then yeah. it was yeah. just marvelous it was like a reggae version of that sort of song and it just sort of lopped along and then when it got to the chorus it was huge and it was everybody loved it yeah I, like not many people know my albums you know and Ed, eddie comes out before i play and and kind of introduces me and plays a song and kind of gets the crowd to focus their attention a little bit more i mean it's a it's such a giving and and gracious yeah thing that i mean what, I, I, have you i so, was talking about that the other day I've never seen any, like I've seen, I think I've seen Bruce Springsteen do it for Southside Johnny, who came out and sing, sang the last song of that set, of their set opening for him. But I don't think I've ever seen any headlining band singer go out and open the show for the opening band and introduce the opening band. I've never seen that. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah. I mean, he just, I mean, he has such a, can, he just knows what it's like to be in that position. He knows what it's like to, he knows the, the room very well. And he just, you know, I, I just think he's highly uh, in tune with what that gesture would do. Just not only for me, but for the, for the, for the night in general. For the experience. And honestly, he kind of knowing what's, he, what's needed. But he usually does cover songs. He does Neil Young. He does uh, yeah, Bruce Tom Petty. Tom Petty. Yeah, he, does, he, does, yeah, yeah. he usually does cover songs, which which there's something about cover songs in arenas. And if you remember, Josh, I know uh, I we have two <laughs> band members leave the Bicycle Thief over opening being an opening band. <laughs> remember Brett Nesson? He's like, I can't do this. Fuck this. <laughs> I, I, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, we, we oh. got hit in the head at the Cow Palace. Oh. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, I move too much to ever get hit by anything. <laughs> Probably why. So, so, so we, we had been offered, the Bicycle Thieves had been offered this, this kind of tryout period open for the Chili Peppers. And we didn't really have a band. So we got a couple of our friends, Brett from... From Caustic Resin, uh, Caustic Resin, which their first album is amazing, Caustic Resin, and Built to Spill. And so he said, yeah, I'll go out on this leg or whatever. And then Mark Hutner, who was the producer of the album, is a guitar player. And then Josh Blum played bass on that tour? No. Who played bass? Andrew. Oh, Andrew. So it was Andrew, Andrew. Chris, you, me, and Brett, and Mark? 
Yep. And then at first, and I think Brett and maybe even Mark, uh, Mark and Brett both, I think, did some shows with Kevin. You know, like oh, when uh, Kevin was still in the so band. So anyways, we had this trial kind of period of like six shows or I don't know what it was. And it was brutal. Four, like, actually, I'll tell you, it was four. four. And it was okay. started at the same arena that the Pearl Jam Tour started with three weeks ago. Oh, you're same, kidding. Yeah, San Diego, San Diego State. And so, Chuck, I don't know if you've had the pleasure of being the opening of three bands at an arena, but it it no. is not a pleasant experience. It, it rarely goes well. I've seen I've seen bands have fist fights with the audience. I've had I've seen a, a girl run off crying. Right, it's fucking brutal. It's like war. Well, so, being the being the opening act of five punk bands, it's about the same because okay. you're playing yeah. for the bar help. But you're talking yeah. about I get it. But, I get it. But it's so bigger. no, but but there's something really extra special about you're up on this big arena stage and they just don't know who you are. And there's all this weird stuff. So and they want to see the other guys <laughs> and flea <laughs> had never seen the bicycle. Team. So he's standing by the side of the stage and we're getting pelted and he's <laughs> like laughing. <laughs> he's not coming <laughs> out introducing you. I go, you can come out here right now and stop this. And he goes, Bobby, you got to learn. You got to learn. If you want to <laughs> play with the big boys, you got to learn. I, 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 was, I was so young and naive at the time. Like, I, I, yeah, I was just happy to be up there playing. I, and obviously, you, you're a singer and you were trying to communicate with these people. But I just, you know, I, 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 I knew that not everybody was running, you know, <laughs> trampling to the merch booth to buy our shirt. But I, I just... I felt like we did a good job at uh, giving them some, well, uh, we some honest quickly. rock and roll. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. We learned quickly. So after that second show, was Cal Palace the second show? Um, uh, yes. Yes. Okay. So the, after the Cal Palace show, I really sat down with Lee and I go, I go, how, how are we get? I, I don't know what to do. And he goes, don't talk, Bobby. Don't talk. And he goes, and if you're smart, you don't stop. The bands that do best don't, don't talk stop. and don't stop. Nope. <laughs> right. Don't give them so a then, Josh, remember I told you, no stopping. Don't, yeah. don't end the song. Just begin the next Gone. one. And then yeah. if the songs go on and on, I can't talk. Right? <laughs> and we started to do better. I can't believe and that stopped you. <laughs> so, so we get Sorry. the second leg of the tour, which we were hoping that the four shows was the audition for the second leg. We got the second leg. And I don't know where we were playing, but Josh has a tendency of playing songs like without. You remember this? We were on the ramp about to go up and you were playing a might have been a Pearl Jam song and your and your pedal was on and the amp played the riff that you were practicing to get ready to walk out on stage. And it and the audience went nuts. Because it was a riff that they recognized. Oh, it's probably a Radiohead song. Radiohead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they recognized the thing, and Josh went, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" And he stopped. And I said, "No, no, no, no! Keep doing it! Keep doing it!" Yeah. And just we like walk it. out, and Josh would play riffs of famous songs, and that would the audience would be a little, "Oh my god, I know this song. This is awesome." So I yeah. think Eddie knows that. Play songs they know. Right. <clears throat> we learned that and we went on how many legs? Three legs of that tour? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, no <laughs> band. That's that's probably my but that's probably my most proud moment in show business that we did 
three guitar players at home, Josh, you probably forgot that riff was on your sample pedal, right? And you hit it and it went on. Yeah, I did it. I did it at soundcheck, and I and I forgot to clear it. Forgot to clear it. Yeah. Yeah. And so those those were brand new at the time. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And then in order to to cover up, then we figured another thing out. If you remember, you had your keyboard that you had to haul all around the United States to play one song. Yeah. (laughs) And so. So when we would walk out, Josh would play little riffs that people would recognize, and he'd walk really over to the piano and start playing the Twin Peaks theme. Yeah, and that's the when the rest there of the band again. would get set wow. up and get plugged in and get their amps turned on, and Josh would just keep playing till everyone was ready to play the first song. So there was no talking. There was It was seamless from the moment we walked up the ramp, and there nice. was music the whole time, and we survived. Nice. Yeah, and it, I, 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 I just always remember thinking, you know, that that we we definitely connected to a couple people in those rooms every night. I, I we just, did, we did. Yeah, but you no, have I don't know to, how many. But you have to make it available to them. And if you sit there and cuss out the audience like Mars Volta did, you're not going to get very far. <laughs> yeah. Josh, which, yeah. one, which one of your songs is like your most response? Do you think off your new album? Uh, is it like well, uh, Any More Alone? Or well, he it... doesn't play the one that mo- would get the most response. Any More Alone? Or is it really? No, Fight I played Any More Alone the first one. Fight for the Soul, I haven't figured out how to do yet because it's so, uh, it's got. Um, it's it, you know it's got the drums and stuff. I haven't worked out that one. I haven't done yet. I was gonna. It was on. I wrote it on my little set list. Have you night, played the Mother it. Nature song? You haven't played it. Live. Yeah, yeah, I did. What yeah, you yeah. did when? Yep. How many times? Mm, I twice, I think. Okay. Because that's the thing. I, I sort of you know like Stone goes up and plays Buttercup. Jeff's come up and played a couple songs with me. Um, and then I just kind of wind up pulling out covers that I because I think it does go down well, and I just enjoy. Uh, I enjoy hearing my voice in that room because I, you know, I, initially I was kind of petrified to go up there by myself, but especially with Eddie's, you know, very generous introduction, it's just like, you know, I found that the 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 room is just more receptive. There, uh, yeah, in in um in oh, there was a great moment the other day. It didn't pan out how I wanted, but uh, in phoenix it was victory day in russia so i thought eh. last minute i got the idea to play give peace a chance and i thought <laughs> i thought it'd be amazing to have the whole crowd sing give all, you know all all yeah what was it like all we are saying, all give we saying chance give peace for chance. 30 minutes and i had this daydream that it was gonna happen and i thought oh it's gonna be incredible and pearl jam will walk on and i'll get him to sing it until the till the lights go down Till they come on. So they actually sang it back. And Smitty said, that's crazy. No one ever does that. You know, you really got him to do it. The minute I walked out off stage, silence. <laughs> but, but, but so I, I was a little crestfallen about that. Oh, well, the state lost. Um, so I was, I was crestfallen for a, a couple of minutes. Like, oh, I really, it, it's not how I wanted it. I just really thought they, the couple nights later, I think in Fresno, there was a guy holding up a sign that said, We'll all sing "Give Peace a Chance." And oh, you can! Yeah, and I so thought, beautiful. "Wow, that's a victory! That's a victory!" That's so, crazy. That Pearl yeah, Jam, that Pearl Jam world is crazy. And, that is and, a I, crazy and I noticed world. at the end of the night, Eddie. I, I mean, obviously, it wasn't for having that sign. He might be he had a different sign, but I, Eddie, specifically made sure that that guy got a tambourine because Eddie hands out a bunch of tambourines at the end of the night, yeah. and <laughs> that guy got a tambourine. So if that <laughs> guy. That's so is, cool. Is listening to this. Uh, thank you for that sign. And I'm very <laughs> happy you got your tambourine. 
<laughs> so let me let me tell you this though. So uh, I am in show business again. I am a, on the business side of show business. I am not right. on the performance artistic side. I am on the business side. And so what the, us business people do in the music business, the business of music, <laughs> the business of show, is we look at streaming numbers. And there is a song that Josh has that streams more than any other song and it's barreling. And, and you had an idea of why that is. Why is that song the most streamed song of yours? Because it's the first one on the album. And there it's, you it's, go. The, it's <laughs> the first song on the first album. Because <laughs> people are the so longest. lazy. People are listening to one song only for three years now. <laughs> or maybe you picked the best song to be the opener on that oh, first album. Oh, that's that well, Chuck positivity I, well, I, that works I, so good. I, I think the second song is technically has more streams than that first one. Right? So barreling is like really taken off or something. Well, it, 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 you just always find that the songs on the beginning of the album have more than the end. And I do it too. You want to listen to an album, you put it on in the car, you put it on at home. And it's just rare these days that we're allowed to, uh, you know, a good 45 minutes to listen to a full album. It's That's just so funny that you bring that up because I am loading. I am in the process of taking all of my CDs and loading them onto my iPod and I put it in my car and I don't listen to the radio anymore. I listen to an entire album when I get my kids in the car. I go, mm -hmm. guess what? We're going to listen to the Buzzcocks, the entire yes. album from front to back. And how how far do you no, live dad, from their no. school? They don't want to do it, but I think it's a long ways. It's Irvine okay, to yeah. Long Beach, right? Yeah. You know, you know why you guys were talking? Uh, Mike, oh. not, sorry, not to cut you off, Chuck. I, I swear, 35 minutes ago, I put Buzzcocks on my iPod. Such because a beautiful, beautiful. I'm, I'm just iPod. having, I, I finally am, I like iPods, you know, they've been discontinued. So me and a couple of friends have been lamenting that for the, uh, like several <laughs> yeah. hours. And I actually spent time fucking with my iPod. For the I have the one time. with the big giant wide plug that I use. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I actually have one in the box. Here's, have you guys had this experience? So I had I cut experience. Chuck off though. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Chuck. Go Chuck. Okay. Because this was like, like cause I'm, a huge music nut, right? I'm a fan more than anything. And I sort of play guitar, right? I play guitar on the side, right? But you guys do it all differently. But when I go to see someone I love play music, when I put down hard-earned cash to go see a band and then they play a song by someone else I like, it's like I'm closer to that person on a whole nother level. So it really it's like is. If, it really if is I like true. If I like Josh and I go see his thing and then he does a song by someone else I like, I, it's just because for me, it's a total emotional connection. And that's why I prefer music to sporting events, because everybody's there. Everybody's my friend. We're all here to see the same thing. We all love the same thing. There's no counterpoint booing when you know what I mean? It's just uh, it's well, such a huge this. thing. Well, I have a whole theory about it. So the music that became pop rock and roll music was cover songs. Elvis oh, Presley yeah. never wrote any songs. He oh, was no, covering so Ma Big Mama Thornton. He was covering... Jailhouse Rock. Jail he was covering uh, Lieber and Stoller. He was covering songs. Then the Beatles, when they started out, was all cover songs. The Rolling Stones were all cover songs. It was then artists like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones kind of, and Bob Dylan started writing all their own material and releasing The Beatles and Dylan... Beatles and Dylan and Brian Wilson, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. so they start doing that, but live, my sister used to go see the beach boys. They always did cover songs live in the, in the mid sixties. 
Everybody, yeah. the Beatles well, so, did cover songs. Yeah, so people everybody would know. did cover songs yeah. because you wanted to play thirty minutes is the average length of a show back then. You wanted to play the best songs, and and Stevie Wonder played cover songs. Look at that show that they taped at that great show with James Brown's Diana Ross at the Santa Monica Civic, whatever that was called. It's all covers. They're doing cover songs. Marvin Gaye did. We covers need songs. to get back to that. I want it to see Ramstein do. Uh, <laughs> have you ever been mellow? <laughs> I just watched a Ramstein concert. But watch on, how it goes. It was crazy. It, it becomes this, uh, and Elvis Costello, I think, is the is is the one that I always identify as. Like he's going to play his new songs. And, you know, I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan. I've probably seen him more than any other band, but the Chili Peppers and my own. And, and he just, no matter how bad his new album is, he's going to do six or eight off that album. Chuck. <laughs> yes, he does. You just hope for a long set so he can get the old ones in there. And yeah. Brian Smith took me to see Elvis Costello because he knows I love it so much at the Wilton Theater. And I purposely hadn't gone to the Gibson Amphitheater to see him because he was on that horrible Burt Bacharach album tour with Burt Bacharach and right. a whole orchestra. So I didn't go to that show. I don't know if you liked that album, Chuck. I imagine you probably did. You probably went to that show. I know you're a big fan of Elvis Costello. Yeah, I didn't I purposely, go to I purposely passed on the Burt Bacharach. Yeah. I didn't find it amusing. God Give Me Strength was the only good song. It was the soundtrack to a movie two years before. I didn't find I it amusing. No it's the best I, review. I, I, <laughs> I was not going to the Burt Bacharach Elvis Costello show, though I had not missed an Elvis Costello tour for 15 years, probably, including driving to his first show in San Francisco, driving to his first show in Santa Barbara. Me and Anthony Kiedis drove and saw him play the, the uh, first show in Santa Barbara on the- Were you at the Hollywood Beach, High show? Beach Boys that's a great thing. Record. I was outside. I couldn't get in. Didn't uh, have the money to get in. It was sold out. But I heard it. So anyways, that was 78, right? 79. So get this. So Brian takes me to Elvis Costello and Steve, Na Steve Naive solo acoustic at the Wiltern Theater. Oh, when? We're in like the eighth row, center stage. The fifth song off the Burt Bacharach record. Now I came to hear... Imperial Bedroom. I came to hear Get Happy. I came to hear Armed Forces. <laughs> this I year's model. I purposely yeah. did not. It was advertised a Burt Bacharach tour. I purposely did not go. I went to this show wanting to hear the songs I love. I think it's the fourth song off the Burt Bacharach record. I really meant to say it to Brian, but I said it a little loud because it was acoustic guitar <laughs> and piano. I said, give me a fucking break. <laughs> I said it a little too loud. It was very quiet in the room, and Elvis Costello heard me and stopped playing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I remember that. And he <laughs> glared at me, and he knows me and hates me anyways, <laughs> because I was such a freak stalker of him. Um, and he saw, oh, my God, it's that friend of Xander's. I'm going to fucking, <laughs> if I could smash his face in, I would. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Maybe he's just jealous because you have better I glasses. I was only—I I do speak rather loudly. It was very quiet, 
And I said to Brian, give me a fucking break. Are you kidding me? Can I get a I, uh, bootleg of that show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if anybody has a, that would be wonderful. We could use that yeah. as the opener. <laughs> uh, and he's hated so, me forever because Xander's close with him. And I, I had met him before with X in the eighties. And, and, uh, I, had, I, I think I scared him with my stalkerism. And then I come back around like four <laughs> years later with Xander and Elvis Costello, he's got a, I, I think he hates me. So I, I, Chuck, I told you this, I take Chrissy. We got to see Blondie and Elvis Costello. We got pretty good, you know, up in the pit there or whatever. And, and he's staring at me <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm narcissistic and I think everybody's paying attention to me. And I'm like, God, he's not staring at me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. And Chrissy goes, he's fucking looking at you like he hates you. <laughs> <laughs> Way but to it, go. I think it fits Elvis Costello because he is so filled with conflicting feelings that anybody that idolizes him with the, the way I do, he probably hates them. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. 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 <laughs> probably. I, uh, just, I don't know. We people out that. there that I think hate me. <laughs> We can add that to your obit, though. It'll be Bob Forrest, friend of Dr. Drew, friend of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, despised by Elvis Costello. I mean, my relationship with Elvis Costello has been, yeah, since the 70s. I think he was probably, because he lived in, in Vancouver, right, or something. I think he was probably watching TV one night with his wife, and I came on that Dr. Drew, and he was like, that's the guy that stalks me. That's the guy I fucking hate. Oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> He's a fucking cunt, man, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you guys had Brian on this show before? No, we should. Yeah, that'd be a good, a good episode. Yeah, Brian yeah. Smith, who cut his teeth on the bicycle thief. Yeah. Right? Yeah, do you know great. that I have a painting he did of me? I saw it the other day. I, um, I do, too, uh, on, the, on the wall. My, a, he was a my... great artist. I don't know why yeah. he gave that up for this show business career. <laughs> oh, for fame <laughs> the fame <laughs> i keep i keep saying it to mark cates all the time it's called show business it's actually a rip off of flea but it's called show business you're supposed to put on a show you don't just stand there <laughs> you know, you know what from what i've seen of because i don't i don't ever talk to josh but from what i've seen he appears to be in his element and thoroughly enjoying it and I'm that translates puts on a show and when you <laughs> see people doing that and it doesn't matter if it was at aloe house where he's standing back there using a playing the kick drum and playing acoustic guitar or if it's with the earthlings or if it's with pearl jam it, it he's loving what he's doing and that translates and that makes people that just makes it that much bigger i know there are a lot of shoegazers but, but you Josh, know, what, I, yeah, let's get to Josh. So I played the first, was it the first concert you ever played me and you at, in San Francisco? Uh, well, I, was that before you, me and, and Dix at the, at the, uh, no, I that was the first, that was the first. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah, me and yeah. Dix. That was like a, five days after I met you, I think. So you, but you <laughs> rocked out at that. Yeah. I mean, we were sitting yeah. down, it was kind of an acoustic it was just the but three of us sitting the audience in San yeah, Francisco. Yeah. You got a little nervous. Kind of I don't think away. I was legally allowed to be in there. So I was oh, is that <laughs> what it was? <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't have such those... hard, my age under wraps. I mean, I know I definitely was watching, uh, listening to concerts from the back door at that place. 
for a while around you're, that time. You were the Tracy. You were the Tracy Lords of ra- of rock. <laughs> Tracy, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I call myself, I Wait call myself second. that all the time. You know, I got it. Oh, it's called the Opium Den at the time. Right, I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, but what was the to... one in San Francisco? Was it called the Brainwash? No, what uh, was it? Well, it was a, it was a song cycle that Ian or Ian put on, right? And I forget exactly where that what the venue it was, was across the street from Slim's. The brainwash was that the the laundromat place oh, the that laundromat. we played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played There's there. No, sure they don't card you at the day. laundromat. Yeah, no, that wasn't a twenty one <laughs> and over. And, and the place in I'd like in, to see that the, laundromat. <laughs> the place in the place in uh, in in San Francisco that we played wasn't twenty one and over either. But I can't remember now what. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll figure it out. But I'm curious. So, how old were you at that time? Seventeen. Uh. Probably 16, uh, how maybe did we, 17. How no, did 17, we, 17, 17. How did we play bars if you were 17? I, that's because something you, I never even Because they, mi- they don't mind so much in California. You can you can play. You can perform. You uh, just it, have to be out. Yeah, like, like they, they, they don't like, like you hanging around. But, yeah. but you can come in. Like if you're bringing your gear in. I found, I remember back in the day in California, it wasn't a thing. Up in Washington, it was like insane they would they, they <laughs> grab they like basically held your hand while you brought your stuff in and escorted you out the minute your set time was they opened the door you went and played and then they kicked you right out i remember yeah, right. that and yeah. and uh, i was actually just i just read uh, i was reading something about matthew sweet yesterday in the book i'm reading and uh and i remember we played with matthew sweet and we played in seattle and portland and it was really hard i felt bad i couldn't load in i was just like was he guys. as great as he appears to be I remember enjoying it. I, I didn't I didn't know his music that well at the time. And I um but but like I said, I couldn't really watch the show. That I, I wasn't allowed oh, yeah. that in. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I did I did watch him. We played we played with him in uh San Francisco area somewhere too. Yeah, um, I remember maybe. that. And and he um well, a little known fact about Matthew Sweet, I do like him. His first album's amazing. And then he he made a lot of records. It was hard to keep track of because it's yeah. really not my kind of music. But then years later when I'm with Elvis, he's the he's the music of the new Scooby Doo. It's Matthew oh, really? Sweet. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Huh. what a fucking cool gig that is. Wow. That yeah, is that is him. cool. He was good uh, in all the Austin Powers movies. Depends too. on how you look at it. Really. <laughs> what, what is Mike? Mike has a competition with Matthew Sweet. <laughs> no, I Come know. On, right? I just said it depends on how you look at it. I mean, it could be an uh, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, <laughs> Mike is, hey, yeah. no, I gotta tell you, Josh, Mike is not a fan of the power pop. He's not <laughs> a fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know. Uh, it depends. I mean, gin, it depends. Gin blossoms, power pop. That I love that kind of shit. That's but I mean, rock the, music. That's, that's not power. The, pop. the flowery, power the flowery power pop stuff. I'm really not that into. Like, like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And when well, Mike, I, used and to I don't be, need to mention Josh, any names. When Mike used to be drunk, he used to be much more outspoken about it. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, Robert, Klein, Robert Klein played with uh, Matthew Sweet, like and and. Uh, you know, Richard Lloyd. Like uh, I never got the lemon drops. What the fuck is with the lemon drops? I'm the lemon heads or the lemon drops? <laughs> lemon heads. <laughs> lemon heads. Yeah, the lemon heads <laughs> with Evan Dando. Lemon drops, same shit. <laughs> Fucking whatever, man. Because you're I one never a girl. Got I never got them. I just was Six like, what? Evan. what the fuck? 
They, I, uh, yeah. What is it? So, Josh, you're the musical, you're like a musical kind of. But I'm not saying it's guy. bad. What I'm just saying I didn't get it. Power pop that really irritates the fuck out of Mike Mark. What is it about? <laughs> because it's accessible? Really because it. it's. <laughs> Oh, well, maybe because it's like it's happy sounding and they're <laughs> and, well, and I got three reasons, maybe. And, and okay. It's almost like together. it's almost like it, fake it, happy. It's fake. Well, happy. well it's ha it's happy sounding and they're they're using rock and roll to spread this fucking snivelly, happy <laughs> nonsense around. And they're you generally, got it. They're generally handsome and well coiffed and yeah. and they, and they've got. And they've got no. all the girls. Nobody could be that happy, happy, Josh. Nonsense. Nobody <laughs> could be that fucking happy. You know what? Yeah. Don't you, can't have, you can't have it both ways. You're either a <laughs> fucked up rock and roller or you're happy. Pick one. Yeah. Dude, I had a, <laughs> I used to I used to and and this there was a lot of power pop when we were kids in Huntington Beach. There was a band called The Popsicles that I work for that I talk about all the time. And they had a song called Serenade in the Sky. <laughs> uh, and, and they all three smiled uh, as I they sang three-part harmony. And I'm going to sing the song for you. It actually was a good song. The guy Tony was a really good songwriter. But it goes like a, oh no, it's the that's the um crowd with Jim Decker. Like you know, a serenade in the sky, and the girls all wonder why. Like a serenade. In the sky, and they and they smiled while they were singing it. <laughs> what What are some of the other examples of power pop bands that you love, you know, Mike? Because I because it's funny, like it's not necessarily a a, a genre that I find myself drawn toward either. Well, I, I used to play a lot of it my at my house, and he would just go, "What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> <laughs> you know the guy with the pointy boots. What was that band, Bob? <laughs> The guy with the pointy boots. What, what was that? Oh, that the, guy. Your the knack. <laughs> no, he was uh, uh, L.A. He was on. It was um, um what was it was called? I, I kind of used to make fun of his pointed boots. <laughs> you and, still are. Uh, you still are. And his straight leg, <laughs> straight leg pants and stuff. Oh, what a oh, lame. Yeah, we got to figure out shoes. who this is. Remember, remember Bob? He was your Google. friend. He was doing that. He was uh, Mike, uh, Michael Quintana. No Salvation Army. No, it was. Uh, oh, see, no, they were good. good. Power pop. They were good. No. Oh, they get the thumbs up it, from Mike well, Mark. You know, and that's then there's a, and then there's bands like Red Cross who did power pop that were Red. Uh, yeah, Red Cross was amazing. Power pop. They're, they're amazing. Amazing. Well, and they also started. They they kind of had metam a metamorphosis. They're they're just good songs. But then there's total yeah. fakers, man. And I just you know I could pick them. Like, out. is 2020 a good band, Mike? No. Yeah, they got the one good song. Yellow pills, my yellow pills. No, I didn't. I never liked them. I never liked. They can even sing about addiction and smile. Yeah, I never got. Yeah, like just power pop kind of or like poppy stuff from my generation. That's kind of loathsome too. But I just, yeah, I just think it's bad stuff. Earnest, earnest, bad. I just don't like if it's not fake honest, or, you know. Fake or like, so look, like, we all, I a great say, song from Josh's era that I don't care what anybody in this panel says. You're unbelievable. <laughs> You're unbelievable. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. How about that? How about a, that? Uh, and this an was Andrew one of my pet peeves. They that. sing with English accents and they're from Minnesota. Hey, are you sure? What? You're, 
you're unbelievable. I thought that was EMF. EMF, it is. Doesn't that stand for Epson Mudfunkers? <laughs> oh no! What yeah. is the what is the band with, from Minnesota that had a song like that? Uh, and the guy <laughs> killed the guy killed himself actually, sadly. Oh, um, um, see how happy he was. <laughs> wait, I always used to com- confuse uh, English EMF, EMF and, this band and Jesus Sa- Jones. Or, Jesus no. Jones did right here, right now. Yeah, that yeah. was their that big was one. Sing time. that one, Chuck. I want to know how that one goes. Sing that one. Right, right here. You do it, Josh. No, no, go ahead, Chuck. No, no you're go. the singer. Yeah. The singer. Yeah. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three, four. <laughs> no. Right here, right, <laughs> right now. There we go. Yeah, watching uh, the world wake up to history or from or something like okay. that. It was, that okay, was a, let's go for the jugular with Mike Mark. One you of know what? It's top, funny because one of the twenty greatest bands ever in the history of pop music. I, I can't. Is Culture Club. Up. How does Mike Mart feel about Culture? I Club? love the Culture Club. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I love the Culture Club was because their songs had a bitter sadness to them, and oh, Boy George was was honest about his whole songwriting approach. There was oh, no so, like. So, but why pop. did you throw it out of the van when I would play it? I would never do that. I, all I have ever said about Boy George is you tried to look like him. <laughs> That's all I've ever said. I love. I him. really want to see. I Bob love look Boy, like George. Boy George. <laughs> I was trying to go for a Boy George look. It was. Uh, you, you, it was like I, you know, I would, you know, I, there's this thing where I think the, I think part of artistry is taking everything you love and putting it inside your soul, and then, and then kind of mixing it all together and becoming it. So if I had to say what I was a hodgepodge of, I was a hodgepodge of Xene, Boy George, and Michael Stipe. Not a bad combo to mix together, by the way, Chuck. No, apparently not. It's got it's got a good aesthetic to it. I had dreadlocks, I wore hats, you know, suits, I always wore suits. Like and to Josh's Stite. point, that you know, a good song is a good song. Even the Violent Femmes covered "Do You Really Want to Hurt Me." Hey, I, Culture Club was such a a thing in my house when I was a kid. I remember my parents had those records, and and it was mind blowing to me. Just the whole Culture Club, and yeah. they were on an episode of the A Team, and I was I was so yes. into Culture Club. I was like five <laughs> years old, and I just was talking about that earlier today. And and then Bob and I covered uh, that song. Um, no, trying to hurt just you. the way, just the way. But they weren't um, power pop. They weren't yeah, power they were, pop at all. Pop, well, no, they were pop. They no were way. Kind of pop. No fucking way. They They're were pop. they were pop music for sure. They had they they crafted their own. You know, like Boy George is gay. He comes out and just you know he flaunts it and he writes all the songs about gay. What? (laughs) But listen, Josh, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is back then, (laughs) back then it was like, you know, it was a big deal. It was a nobody can't be. He has a good you know what he was, you know what he and he's we're talking about him like he's dead. He's a great guy, long-term sober guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's wonderful. But, But here's the funny thing about him. He was out and proud of it, and probably, you know. I think he was out before Elton John. I think he, and he was sitting there looking at his competitors who he knew were gay and he didn't out them. Exactly. Like, like, uh, like George Michael. Like Michael Stipe. George or, Michael. Or, like, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, I don't care. I'm a fucking queen. I don't care. I love that. And, and yeah. I loved, I've, I've always loved Culture Club and everyone in Thelonious Monster hated it. I remember 
somebody i was playing it because we used to get whoever it wasn't drove me bob it wasn't play, me it was probably Pete. Uh, whoever drove got to play whatever music they wanted and i was i was playing culture club and somebody walked up from the back of the the, the van and just took it and threw it out the window i don't that know had if it was be. chris hansen or you or it was somebody and well, that that's was just kind just, of punk rock, isn't it, though? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it just kind of is to go fuck your music and throw it out the window, even if you like it. It's just well, Bob was kind of phases fun. where he what, remember that time you went through that whole fall phases where you just listened to that one album. Well, I just wanted to be drunk like that guy and be married to a girl like that girl bricks bricks or whatever. And then you went was. through a whole David print like you. You say you were a mishmash, all this stuff. You were a boy George thing. And then you went through a. You went through a David Perner thing where your hair just got really messy. He copied me. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but don't it know. We're going to have to did was Let's get back to the fall it thing. It so amplified I your really whole personality. Like the fall, but so, I loved this girl, Bricks, his wife. And I saw them play. And so yeah. I thought, if I copy Marky Smith, Maybe I'll get a girl like that. And I kind of did in that scene, yeah, by yeah. the way. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 <laughs> it did. It worked. Yeah, it fucking Bricks, worked. Bricks. Yeah. I just listened to a whole deep dive podcast. She's from Northridge, right? She's from Northridge. Bricks? Yeah. No I, no, I think she's from, uh, I think she might be from Chicago. Chicago originally, oh, maybe. really? I, but but she went to Bennington College, and I just listened to this whole podcast deep dive about Bennington. Maybe she is from LA. I can't remember. I think I she's remember. from LA. Oh, okay. And and I just like I and think about Bennington that. College. That's that thing, like the secret. You manifest what you want. So I just started copying Marky <laughs> Smith, and then Max appeared. Like how perfect is that? <laughs> <laughs> when I when I played when I played uh, when I played uh, in. PJ Harvey's band, the bass player on that tour was was in the fall. He was in a version of the fall, and he he's one of the few people that kind of remain friendly with Mark after he was no longer in the band and <laughs> made Ren's records with that with him. And th I, I had a couple of choice nights with Mark where oh, I just sat, yeah, where I just sat quietly and listened to him talk. One time he kept he was asking questions about me, and he kept calling me the American. And, and <laughs> <laughs> what a dick uh, no, he just didn't know it was me he couldn't care less he was he had other things to do but what was why was he so miserable i mean he made like 75 albums didn't he yeah i, I don't know i mean you know he's uh yeah he was a very prolific fella it was, but, uh, he was I, amazing but <laughs> i didn't he wasn't together. the only role model to be assertive and like mean to people and whatever but i kind of copied that like what i heard he was and then and his then his ego was he was huge and beautiful though when he said he goes he, they, they gave him shit about not being able to keep a band together and he goes if it's me and your grandma playing bongos it's the fall yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that about Thelonious Monster. I wish I would have known that quote. Yeah. If oh. it's me and Pete Weiss playing bongos, it's Thelonious Monster. <laughs> We're going to go through fight. the bands and records that Josh Klinghoff has played on off the top of my head, not his own. So he was in Bicycle Thief. Then he was in The Butthole Surface. Then he was in P.J. Harvey. Then he was in Beck. Then he was in Gnarls Barkley. Then he was in Sparks. Then he was in uh, Mark Lanigan, maybe? No, then that he, was one show. Okay. Then he was in... I would um, count it. Then he, Spark, what came after Sparks? 
Well, Gnarls and Sparks kind of were crisscrossing. Okay, what was after that? Chili Peppers. Oh, really? I thought yeah. there was like two more in there. Well, uh, well, between Chili Peppers and, well, between Gnarls and Sparks and Chili Peppers, there was my formation of Dot oh, Hacker. Oh, Dot Hacker. And, 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 Hacker. and lots, of, lots of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, so, so follow this, Chuck. Then I Chili am. Peppers, now Plural One, now Pearl Jam, now the Earthlings. Now, that's just the bands he's been in. The records he's played on, all those bands, plus Gorillas, Tinawaran. What else, Josh? Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I don't think I'm on a Gorillas album. I have to. I have to own up to that. I wish I was. Well, um, you recorded a bunch of stuff with him, and it's not on the record. Uh, well, I I recorded with Brian. Uh, some stuff we made a record with martina topley bird who used to sing with tricky oh yeah the tricky girl yeah she was in massive attack too wasn't she yeah yes oh my god she's amazing she just put out a new record recently in the last year last couple months did you play with tricky did you play with tricky i did with john and and flea uh oh and you played in the joy division cover band yeah 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 what was it called never uh, I was the manager. Chuck, this was a band I was the manager of, and I don't remember the name of the band. That's what it was. Well, I, I think I we didn't so we didn't settle on a name until after the show. I think it wound up being called Still. <laughs> Still. Just, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably that, one of the most. A, Eric Avery and I watched that show, and we both were like, "This is one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to." It was amazing. It was, it was amazing. You know, I'm sitting on the video of that show. I, I have it on a tape. I need it. I need to no word it. Yeah, because I, I, I'm fairly certain that the audio that's tra- that's out there in the world comes from my video that I recorded. Is it that good? Show. Is it high quality? Well, it's whatever the cameras of the that time were. So my it was my sister's camera. And I set it up at the soundboard there at Spaceland. So I have it on whatever cassette tape like high eight tape so i need that uh converted oh yeah and so then, chuck what they did uh, so go over it so josh played drums we played bass and john sang and played guitar and they did the first the really early joy division songs we did, we, was, did we did a mixture of their songs we had like a kind of set from from the whole career <laughs> but it was a lot of the early ones that i didn't yeah really a, lot know. Of, <laughs> a lot of the rock we did a lot of rocking ones yeah a lot yeah. of the first album and I was the manager, and I dressed in a big suit, and I smoked a cigar. Chuck. Oh Jesus! But you didn't. <laughs> that was October. <laughs> that, was October that was October tenth, uh, two thousand. And I remember because I had stopped smoking a week before that. Uh, so that must have been around the time that we were touring, right? Yeah, yeah, like maybe. You and I, yeah, you and I went on tour not with too Keith long after Morris, that. with Keith Morris. With Keith Morris, yeah, yeah, in the uh, Volvo, in, in the, the Volvo, Volvo, right? And uh, yeah, because so that was right before the election. So I was so, thinking, but the other you day, play on. But I want to get to this point. You play on like forty albums. You're being far too humble right now. Uh, you, who, who, this lists some of the records. Why? Why do you not I remember? You, I, do you not I remember? Don't remember? I well, I think you covered a lot of them. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Records. I know I played on some other ones here and there. I can't. You don't remember keep right a now. list. You don't keep a list in your wallet. No. Well, they don't. They don't <laughs> even have it on the internet because the person who does it kind of has to help somebody on the internet figure it out, and Josh doesn't do that. 
I know, I know I'm forgetting. They're probably, cool probably stuff, on but... your wiki, Wikipedia page or something, right? Yeah, pro- it probably. The person, oh, maybe, but I, oh. I looked at I it. I don't know but... who. Uh, you can who find out anything on more. Wikipedia now. You know, one thing I was thinking of the other day that I, it hit me, uh, that it seems like seven to ten days after I quit something, a big milestone happened. So uh, seven days after I quit smoking when I was 21, uh, we did that Joy Division show, and then uh, which was still such a great memory. And then what else? And then about seven days after I stopped drinking, 10 days maybe, the Chili Peppers kind of embarked on their first U.S. tour that I was in the band for. And then... Uh, now we have and coffee. Then, What's and coming now, up? Yeah, coffee? and then seven days, at, or basically like right after... I quit coffee. Uh, I was, you know, on stage opening, you know, these shows, playing with Pearl Jam for the first time. You know, like opening these shows, singing. I, by I myself. thought you were going to say you got to be on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, I, I happen to remember that the last time I was on this podcast, I was, I had all, I was heavily caffeinated, and I was because it was the morning. Remember, and I, I think we did it like nine in the morning. So I right. made sure to, I had a, I had a pot on. So what, uh, I can say this with all sincerity. One of the greatest musicians I've ever known in my life or seen in my life, but an even better human being, Josh Klinghoffer, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Josh Klinghoffer. Hey, Josh. Thank you, Bob. You know, you. Thank, right. you, Mar- thank you, Mike, for asking me to come on tonight. I was sitting in bed watching basketball doing nothing. It was a and surprise I, I for it. my bread for my brethren. I got all the murder yeah. stuff. It's on. over did, now. Did, did, did Dallas win? Yeah. Oh, Mike, Mike texted out. I'm excited, and I'm like, "What did I miss?" And now I know why he was excited because he had a surprise for us. I, I appreciate you asking about my solo show, Mike. I, it was definitely. Uh, I'm. I'm. I was sad that we had uh, the tour got cut short, uh, but we'll be back at it in September with, so with you- me opening. Do you find nice. that there's like a like there's are you finding that there's a group of musicians that you sort of gravitate to that are making this because I'm thinking my kids of course right and you kind of uh, have this your little kids that I met this freedom to perform however you want and this freedom to be anti rock star and sort of just come you know completely open with the people and honest and not standoffish and just express yourself on stage in front of tons of people. Is there like a camp of this type of thing going on? I'll tell you, it's, it's being in a band with Bob. Yeah. I, oh, I, I learned, I, I learned so much. Well, I mean, it's not like I, I didn't have any concept that I would be doing the, what I'm doing now when I first met Bob and we were playing together, but I realized at some point, like kind of around the Ohana Fest, I may have said it on the last podcast. That I, you know, Bob is always so honest, like on stage. The same guy is on, you know, on the street 30 minutes before the show, on stage, and 30 minutes after the show. It's the same person. There's no change. And that's right. And I, I, and I you know, it's not something that I thought, oh, I have to be like that, but it's just an easy, it's easy for me because I saw how successful that is and just how, I mean, what, how, I mean, really, why would you be any any different than that? But I'll tell you, a lot of people are, you know. People in power <laughs> pop bands are totally different on stage. Oh, God. Oh, God. Those power pop yeah. people. But, uh, but, it's but like watching the a, upper crust or something. But but no one, me, Westerberg, uh, Westerberg's like that. John Doe's like that. Peter Case like that. All my mentors are kind of like that. And you just kind of fall in line with, with your heroes. But 
no one like has I, ever like ascended. No one has uh, ever ascended as high as you and still remain that way. And somebody tells me a story. I think it's Eric Greenspan or somebody where you're headlining. The Chili Peppers are playing like this huge, enormous dome soccer stadium. And you were just walking around in the, in the stadium, like as a normal person. <laughs> and that this person had never seen that before. You're playing for a hundred thousand people and you're just walking around in the crowd. Like, like uh, I forget who told that story about you and said they'd never seen anything like that. And well, I had the luxury in that band of kind of, especially at the beginning, like really remaining anonymous. I mean, I, I kind of. So did you walk around the soccer stadiums of Europe when you were playing it in four to two hours? Yeah, well, I would often just go and check out the venue and kind of I was able to walk around often and not really be noticed or recognized. They're, Chuck, how you know, many people that are playing soccer stadiums do you know do that? One now. <laughs> one. Josh, have I ever told you the story about I store when I had the greenhouse music studio, I stored cars. And um, and so I stored Eddie Vedder's Falcon, right? For Smitty. And and um, you know, I took care of it and drove it around, made sure it was, you know, still running and stuff. And uh I asked Smitty, how why does he have this? He goes, Well, he bought it and he bought a he has a sure PA, one of those little column PAs. Yeah, he I loaded that PA one he, time. It was just before his, it was a few years ago, right? It was just before his first album, a solo album. And uh, he wanted to go around the country in this Falcon with the Shore PA loaded in the back <laughs> and uh, one other person and play small clubs. Well, and, Josh, uh, that was probably the first time you met Eddie. We played, we were doing a benefit concert. And somebody fell out. I think Tom Waits is supposed to play and then he canceled or whatever. And then Flea called Eddie and asked him if he'd play. And it's right at the time when Eddie had that hit song on K-Rock of the cover song. Remember the, the like doo-wop song? What was that? Yeah, Last Last Kid. Last, yeah. Nice. And so we were all like, oh shit. And it was like two days notice, three days notice. Like, ja, like Eddie's coming. Like how, who, somebody picking him up? Like what's going on? And Eddie just pulled up with these three other musician guys and loaded his equipment into the Palladium, and he had that PA with him, and he sang through that PA. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that, that was at, at the, the Palladium. At the Palladium. Yeah. You know, I didn't even met. meet him that night. I didn't meet him that night, but we were sitting on the stage, kind of next to each other, watching the Chili Peppers. And I don't know if Eddie watched you and I play because we played first. Remember, it was right, that was right. the first. That was the first Bicycle Thief show ever in a big rock like a rock band i don't even think we had the name yet it was called bob forrest and it was that was you me josh and mark yeah and yeah. And, and and kevin maybe uh yeah and and uh we played the palladium and then eddie i don't know if you watched this or not but during the chili peppers when they played uh me and my friends and they and he says your name i kind of looked over at eddie and he looked at me and he was kind of grinning you know so I, I i took that as him knowing that I played with you, but I don't know. <laughs> and you know, that's, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Josh, that's the point I was making is that I think you fell into the right camp. You know what I mean? That's the type of people you're playing with now who are unassuming. They care about people and they, you know, they care. About yeah. I, I don't know what I, what I've done right along the way, but I, I couldn't be more grateful for, you know, just, it's just so the awesome. world kind of offering that opportunity or just the timing and you know everything and and bob and smitty and you know like all the all the 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 people that kind of put that together and make this happen and just 
yeah, I couldn't be more. Smitty is one of the cooler guys on the planet, huh? He's made a lot of he's he's been pivotal in a lot of things, and he's a yeah, super well, has, nice guy. Has he been on this show? No, no, he, he won't, won't come do on. it. I asked him. He won't do it. He he's, doesn't he's want to. He's, he's, he's a habitual listener. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I don't understand that. He seems to have it together. You know, we call <laughs> we call him the boss now because Mike, like, I had that COVID for like two or three weeks, two weeks or whatever. Mike kept saying, you know, we got to get a podcast out. And then Smitty texted me, how come there's not a new podcast out? And I was like, shit, we got to get a podcast out. The boss wants a podcast. <laughs> Bob, I always joke with Smitty about how it's turned around like in Back to the Future, where uh, Biff is washing the Biff car. Biff is washing McFly's car. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good note to end on. You know what I learned today? What? I am no longer the youngest person in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who, who got in? The drummer of Nine Inch Nails, who is younger than me, quite a bit younger than me, but he was younger when they were they were inducted because he's been in no the band way. now for ages. Yeah, my oh, so my, so Chuck doesn't know this. When Josh got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he became the youngest usurping Michael Jackson. No, no, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, <laughs> and 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 now he's been. You shoved out of <laughs> yeah. trivia. He's been shoved out of Jeopardy. He will never yeah. be a Jeopardy answer. Elon and now, Rubin. and what me. is the name of the by a fellow the drummer? Youngest? By a fellow El- drummer, Elon Elon Rubin, uh, who I've never met, but I, I mean, he's a really amazing player, and I I, I uh, I've known of him. Elon what? Rubin. Okay. All right, you guys. I got All right, go. man. Hey, thank you for joining uh, us, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. Love you guys. Love all you guys. Thank you. And, right. and thank you. Thank you for all the good work you all do. I know yeah. how important it is to a lot of people, including my uh, my friend Smitty. He loves us, and he's well, always thank you for the music. Here. Congratulations on ten. So let me uh, let me just say though that you guys just pulled me out of my murder children slumber, and this good. is an example of flexibility did. and fluidity and friendship and community. I was just so affected by this today and i feel anew because my friends pulled me out of it this is what mental health is it's not complicated it's being open it's still doing what you're supposed to do it's talking about how you feel it's not complicated mental health is not a, a myth it's not something that only secret people know it's just love and community and talking and being honest and being vulnerable and being open. And that's it. And that's all. It's not medicine. It's not some tricky therapeutic thing. It's just love and honesty and truth and flexibility and openness. And I was so lost today in this fucking obsessive misery about this. And now I feel free of it. And oh, I appreciate so great, everyone. What a great message. Well, me and, and again, like this is kind of a, uh, you know, not to open another conversation, but uh, <laughs> well, here we go. But, you know, like <laughs> it, it really is all about conversation and talking with people and just trying to find common ground, which obviously we all have. But, you know, the, uh, when I start, when I joined you today, I was saying, what is, what can we do? These people, there's guns everywhere and there's just more and more of them. But um, I was listening to someone speak recently about, you know, uh, the lack of um, a, a real collective movement these days and how people in the past, they kind of dedicated themselves to a movement and they it was bigger than themselves. We live in an age of just the individual now and everyone is so 
kind of wrapped up in their own experience and mm -hmm. you know perhaps one suggestion of what we can do is just you know these things keep happening people have to realize like in the 60s when when white and black people came together and the civil rights movement was uh, you know things changed now you know it's really truth and insanity like the people who are sick of you know insanity and lies and deceit have to bind together and and it's there's got to be a movement bigger than ourselves i guess that's the only thing i'm not saying i'm running out to do, start the movement myself but <laughs> that's that's really that's really funny josh because you just touched on something we touched on before you were on and that was that i said you know people need to get out of their armchairs they need to get away from their tv mm -hmm. you know just uh, posting oh i'm so sorry oh peace you lots know or prayers, blah 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 prayers prayers, yeah. prayers they need to get out and they need to do a march on yeah, washington I mean, I, exactly. they need to they need to hang they need to carry signs they need but to I mean, I think I think we've forth. been honest about Not this. You have, you have movements and and I think the Pearl Jam 10 community and just the Pearl Jam audience in general, it's different. I've been to every rock show of every band in the world for the last 40 years. There is something about a Pearl Jam audience that is different. You can sense it when you're there. Like, yeah, and I think it, they, it's, it stems from the what they've kind of cultivated for 30 years, hopefully, you know, and I still feel like you go to a Pearl Jam show and it's not like everyone agrees, but at least at least they've kind of opened they've opened the dialogue for people to think about the exactly. fact that we need to we need to kind of, come you know, together. we need to we need to come together and do it. I mean, I think that's what makes them special. That's why I connected with them when I was younger. I mean, it's more than the music, their music is made with the same passion but they clearly from the get-go they they saw that the world needed uh needed needed uh needed uh, a voice here and there and they they try and lend that voice to this issue or that issue or just to help people to come together and yeah i mean that's that's they they still do it patty smith didn't write the people have the power for no reason man uh, i love you guys <laughs> oh you too man good night Good night, guys. Hey. That was fun. Bye-bye. I uh, love you guys. See ya. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Bye-bye. Thank you.